Good morning, everyone. Uh, as Joey said, my name is Matt Moran. I'm one of the pastors at Seven Mile Road. I'm excited to be here. This is, uh, this is always fun for me, whether coming as a visitor or g- getting the opportunity to preach. Um, as Joey kind of alluded to, he and I have been friends since 2008, 2009, back at a time when I was really exploring whether God was calling me into pastoral ministry. Um, Honestly, I owe, I owe a lot of that process and where it came out to Joey and to some of the other guys that were part of that, helping bring clarity and encouragement to me at that time. So I love to be able to be here. Let me read the passage that I'll be preaching from. This is Psalm 103. So if you want to follow along, Psalm 103, the first five verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who forgives all your iniquity, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is a psalm about blessing the Lord. This is a psalm about praise. And as I'm going to get into, praise is a weird concept for us. So let me pray and we'll get started. Father, um, we just want to come underneath your word right now. We ask that your spirit would point us towards Christ, that we would respond to your word uh, with obedience, with faith, with encouragement, with greater love for who you are. We ask for that. In Jesus' name, amen. The words that I just read, Psalm 103, it is a psalm or a song of, of praise. And in 2015, praise is a strange thing. We are, um, someone wrote recently that had spend, spent almost all of his time in, growing up and living in India. He came back to the United States, and one of the things that he noticed was this is a culture almost completely absent of praise. He was stunned by how cynical, how skeptical uh, Americans are. And I think that's probably true and arguably even more true in greater Boston, right? So we're, and a lot of us, I would say, even pride ourselves on this, this idea that like, well, I'm not, I'm not naive. I'm not, I can't, I'm not gullible. If we see someone that uh, seems a little too friendly, we're like, what's wrong with that guy? You know, when, uh, when, Dave or- when David Ortiz gets benched on Sunday, we're like, upper respiratory infection. I wasn't born yesterday. You know, like, we get, we're suspicious of religious leaders. We're suspicious of anyone that has more money than us. We're suspicious of, you know, people that we think seem to have an agenda. Because, and we say, if anyone calls you on it, we're like, no, I'm not cynical. I'm a realist. I know how, I know what life is like. I'm a realist. You know, if you see, and we really, like as a culture, we've really trended that way. You know this, if you're like, you could be watching, you could be watching TV at like 9, 9 p.m. Some 12-year-old kid sings an amazing song on America's Got Talent. And by like 9, 10, there's like 200 jokes about this kid on Twitter, you know? Like people making fun of his clothes or his glasses. Like that's, that's really typical of our kind of pile-on cynical culture. So some of us, we kind of feel like, well, we've got to be like that, right? Because, 
you know, actually life is hard, and you, we can't be too innocent or too naive, too gullible. Then there's some of you that really are, you're more positive. You're more like glass half full. So you like, you know, you like Disney movies, and you like, you like Magic 106.7, and you say, <laughs> you know, you're more like this, uh, you know, you like a happy ending. And you like to, like when, you, when people are negative around you, you say stuff like, oh, I can't have them dragging me down, you know, like, because you're more, you're more chipper. You like to be positive. And, uh, and some people think, you know, well, I should be like that because really, like, I'm a Christian. I should have a more positive outlook on life. Well, yes and no. There's a reason that you should, that you should be more positive on life, but there's also a tendency in that type of person to be a little bit too gullible, a little bit too unaware or unaccepting that life actually is hard. So whatever your personality tends to turn to, the text today, I believe, shows us something different, shows us what I would call a third way, a way like what the real root of our praise or our attitude should be. So I'm going to call this sermon, Forget Not All His Benefits. That's a line from Psalm 2, for, from verse 2. And at the beginning of this psalm, David just says, he says out loud, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. Bless is a bit of a church word, okay? But it does mean to, to speak back praise to God, exclaiming about his abundant generosity. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. So the first thing that we know when we look at this is who's David talking to? He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. David's actually talking to himself. This is not like some other psalms, like a big congregational song where he's urging other people. This is his own inner dialogue. This is his own, what he's saying to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know how we all talk to ourselves, right? On some, I don't mean like mumble to ourselves, but I mean like when you go down, uh, if, you, if you are walking across the stage, what do you say? You're talking to yourself. Don't trip, right? If you ever have an interview, you talk to yourself. Smile. Take a deep breath. Like you're talking to yourself. You're trying to coach yourself through. This is David giving us a peek at his own interior dialogue, what he's saying in his head. He's reminding himself, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now we might think like, well, David, actually, if you, if you know anything about David, he's the king of Israel. So you could say, well, easy for you to say, David, like things are pretty good for you. You know, you've got a kingdom, you've got, you've got many descendants, you have all the money in the world. Uh, but he needs to remind himself, bless the Lord, O my soul. He continues, and forget not all his benefits. That word benefits is something that we tend to think of in what way? We connect benefits with work, right? So if you get a new job, someone will say, well, how are the benefits? Or you might be like, well, it doesn't pay that much, but the benefits are great. Or it's a foot in the door, but I don't have any benefits yet. Right? So we think of that in terms of health insurance, in terms of uh, things like dental, vision, 401k, all that stuff. What are the benefits surrounding the job? David's reminding himself, 
forget not all his, God's benefits. But before I talk about what those benefits are, he's reminding himself not to forget. Why? Because we have a tendency to forget the benefits of God. When I was about 20, I had this uh, repeating, kind of recurring habit of leaving the lights in my car on. So I would just, you know, probably every couple weeks go out to the car and find out that I had no battery. So this was just like a thing that I did. And uh, one time I had to, I was in college, I was not living by the, like I had to drive somewhere. And it was becoming, you know, a bit of a habit. And I was frustrated with myself. And I also knew that I was blocking someone in. So I had to get the car moved. Like where it was, I would not even have been able to jump it. So, you know, I'm like 20, I'd slept in, I hadn't really, I'm not really fully cognizant at this point. And uh, I was thinking, how am I going to get the car down, like down this little slope and get it jumped? Somehow, somehow I put the car into neutral without actually being inside the car. Okay, so all of a sudden, the car's rolling downhill. Okay, this car, it's, it's just, it's still too embarrassing to think about. But the car ended up down the hill across the yard, smashed up against my neighbor's house. Okay? So, okay, so I ran into my neighbor's house in an unmanned car. And I was so embarrassed. Like, I mean, literally, the car is in his garden. You know, like, I've got to get, I've got it, someone, like, people are around. I'm going to have to get it towed out of there and then jumped. Um, I was so embarrassed that um, I actually completely forgot that I had car insurance. So, like, it was beyond any thought of mine that this could be covered like or it never even occurred to me like my thought was as few people as possible must know that this event ever occurred so I paid for everything completely out of pocket okay and I had no money but I was like I forgot my benefits and it was just like whatever whatever this guy needs I got to get this car out of here so no one like as few people as possible hear about this story okay so I spent hundreds of dollars as a college student on on a ridiculous car accident that would have been covered because I forgot my benefits. I didn't want anyone to know about this. But David's telling himself, what are the benefits of God? Don't forget them. So let me just kind of walk through this. Now, most of us would say, if you tend to be like more the positive person that I talked about, David should, when he says forget not all his benefits, what he should be thinking is, he should remind himself. He should get up in the morning and be like, I've got a great job. I'm a king. I have all the money I need. I have my health. You know, my, I have many wives. Things are going well for me. That's not really what he's talking about, though. That's how most of us, most of us that would say, for, that would tend to think that forget not all his benefits is something along the lines of look on the bright side or see the silver lining or count your blessings. That's not really what he's talking about. He begins to explain now what these actually are that he needs to remind himself of. When David says, forget not your benefits, he says, who forgives all your iniquity? That's what God does. God forgives all your iniquity. Iniquity is a fancy word for sin, but it's a type of sin, meaning iniquity is premeditated sin, okay? It's not the sin of ignorance or unbelief. 
It's the stuff we do when we, that we intended to do. It's when we say, I'm really mad, and then we go home and get mad. It's when you calculate in your mind, I'm actually going to deceive this person, and you tell them a lie. The iniquities are, when you think in your head, you make a plan, it's premeditated. Those are the worst, the most inexcusable sins. And David is saying, bless the Lord. Don't forget, he forgives our iniquities. He forgives even the premeditated stuff that we come up with. Then he says, who heals all your diseases. Now, we can think of, we can think of that along the lines of health, but deeper even than any physical disease that we have, because sin indwells us, is really the disease of sin and self. It's really the disease of pride. It's the belief that really life is a story about me, right? That like life is a great show starring me. And that that's what the world revolves around. And really, honestly, all of us believe that on some level. David is saying, he heals all your diseases. The Spirit of God moves in us, freeing us from the chains of sin and from self. He heals all our diseases. Then he keeps going. He redeems your life from the pit. I love that word redeem. Redeem is to pay something to buy it back, right? If you redeem something, you spend money to buy something back because you think it's worth it. So, for example, my wife recently was at a, like a kid's sale for something in Wakefield, okay? And it, it was like all that we were, ha- we were about to have a baby, and there were all, this, um, there were all these like Things for small children, things for toddlers, things for four-year-olds, six-year-olds, furniture. The, the sale there was so great, you had to pay to get in, okay? You had to pay to go in the door, and then you had to pay to buy whatever you wanted. And it was all this stuff that other families are getting rid of that you had a chance to redeem, right? Like if you found it worthy, if you found it valuable for yourself, you could redeem it and make it useful in your own home. So my wife found some great deals there. That's usually the type of redemption that we think of, like, I, I found something valuable and I'm repurposing it for myself. But David is saying, God redeems our life from the pit, okay? So you may pay an entry fee to go to Fenway Park. You may pay an entry fee to park your car to go to a great event or to get in the door at an amazing sale, okay? But you do not pay an entry fee to the man at the dump right? If you want to go look for scrap metal, you don't give him a 10 spot and tell him, I got to go look for treasure. You just tell him, let me in the, like, let me inside the fence and I'll go look for the stuff. Okay. Jesus redeemed us from the pit. Okay. We were not in like really good shape. And then he got a little whisk broom and like dusted us off. David said, he redeemed my life from the pit. Forget not those benefits. He went all the way down got covered in muck and grime and redeemed me from the pit. And then he crowns us with steadfast love and tender mercy. He crowns you with steadfast love and tender mercy. So this is interesting because David is actually someone who wears a crown for his job. Okay, But he's saying the better crown is the, st- is the steadfast love and the tender mercy of God. He gives that to me. I am covered by his love. I walk in his mercy. He crowns us with steadfast love and tender mercy. 
Now often, we think really fondly and really affectionately of the day that we came to Christ, right? And we think of it, we think with great gratefulness to God for that. So we say, I don't, I don't forget God's benefits. I love that. I love that Christ saved me. But for some of us, it becomes almost like, almost like if someone saved your life a long time ago, and then you're kind of like, okay, how many times do I need to thank him? You know? Like if someone saves your life, someone pulls you out, out from drowning, if someone takes a bullet for you, you thank him as profusely as possible, right? But then after, even as amazing as it would be, would you go to his house for dinner for the next 20 years just to remember that? Like at some point it would get awkward, right? Look at the actual words, though. David isn't seeing this as something simply past tense. These are all present, active, ongoing. Forgives, crowns, heals, satisfies, redeems. All these words are active and ongoing and real. So while God did, past tense in Christ, rescue you from your sins, He is now, even today, healing you from your diseases. And He will satisfy you with good things. He is preparing a place for us to be with Him. So the power of the Gospel is not simply a historic event, although it is historic. It is an active, ongoing, past, present, future reality that has every bit of meaning to us now today as it had back then and will in the future. And that's why David is saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, not just way back when, but today. Don't forget that. It's real. Bless the Lord. We think it's past tense. It's past. It's present. It's future. It's ongoing. It's power today. Our sins are forgiven in the past tense, but we are being redeemed even now today and a place is being prepared for us. He satisfies us with good. He satisfies us with what's good. And now this word satisfaction or satisfies is extremely powerful, okay? Because one of the issues that we have here is David is saying, forget not his benefits. He's not saying, give me my benefits. His benefits and our benefits are not necessarily the same thing. But we need to be satisfied with what God calls good things. Let me try and explain this to you. So, I have a four-year-old daughter. Um, if we were satisfying, her, like if we were operating on her benefits, I would not have made it today, okay? We would still be on the couch watching Dora the Explorer in our pajamas, okay? Those would be her benefits. We would be eating chocolate chip pancakes, but I would not have made it out on Sunday morning, okay? Like, that's, that would be her idea of good. That's where she would be. But I know she needs to be satisfied with good. So we're here worshiping Christ. Does that make sense? So sometimes our benefits are not what God would call benefits. So what if I asked you right now and I said, if God was to be really good to you in this coming year, or maybe even just for the rest of this summer and fall, if God was going to be so good to you, 
What would he do? What would it be? What would it look like? Probably some of us would look at, kind of make our mental list and be like, well, maybe my job situation would improve. There's a relational thing that I know could be a lot better. I need money. I always need a little more money. Um, Those would be the list of things that would come to mind, right? We think of our physical needs. We think of our material needs. We think of our relational needs. If God, and then if we got those, we'd be like, wow, God was good. But David said, forget not all his benefits. And the point that I'm trying to make is, God already has been good. God already has acted on your behalf through the person of Jesus Christ. God already has been good to us. He satisfies us with good, with exactly what we need. What we needed most was to be redeemed from the righteous anger of God on behalf of our sins. That's the thing that we needed the most. We needed someone to get us out of the way of the punishment that we deserved. We needed someone to drop down a rope and pull us out of the pit. And in Jesus Christ, God has done that. There's no question anymore that God has been good and we need to forget not those benefits. So there's a great tendency, there's a great tendency in the church to hold out to the rest of the world this promise that if you become part of this community, your life will be uh, demonstrably better. Like maybe your relationships will have more harmony or you'll get traction in different things or maybe you'll overcome addiction or uh, those types of things, which may very well be. However, one of the things that marks the people of Jesus Christ is that we don't hope in the same things as everyone else. Okay, Our idea of benefits are not like everyone else. Am I making sense? So like we have an actual hope in something greater than this life and greater than the good of this life. Like it doesn't take a renewed heart to want to raise. Okay? There's nothing wrong with a raise, but it doesn't take a renewed heart. It doesn't take a renewed heart to want healthy kids or to be free from sickness. Everyone wants that. Okay? But what if you don't have a raise? Okay? What if your car does break down? What if your kids are sick? What if you go through profound suffering? And yet, the testimony of your heart is, bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits because in Christ God has already been good to me. That's what I'm saying, is that the goodness of God transcends even simply earthly benefits. And we become the community with a hope that goes beyond the hope that everyone else has. We have an alternative and greater hope. Not simply of a better life, but the hope of people who have been redeemed and who see all of life through that lens and in that context. So three really simple ways that we could apply this. The first one has application really in the next probably 10 minutes. When David says, bless the Lord with all that is within me, he means wholehearted, sincere. So I often see this. I often see this at my own church um, when we sing praise to God. I particularly see this in, in men a lot of times. They seem to think that the time when the church gathers together to sing praise to God is an opportunity to 
think really deep thoughts about the inner workings of their heart. And they, they kind of contemplate. And they stand there and like look at the lyrics and have a like deep look on their face. This is not, like, that's not what this is. Okay, that's fine. But the church is the only time, the, the, the church is the only like place on earth where men can gather together and just sing out of tune together. Okay, the opportunity is there to stand and sing and sing wholeheartedly. Praise to God. It's congregational singing where we are saying, bless the Lord. We're not just individually thinking about what's been going on in our heart or like what the week looks like or contemplating our sins. There might, there may be a time for that, but the time for this is to bless the Lord. So sing wholeheartedly. The second thing is I talked before that David is talking to himself. We need to become people and help each other become people that preach to ourselves and not just listen to ourselves. Okay? And what I mean by that is we very often tend to get up in the day and we begin receiving very quickly the messages, the stress of the day, and before long, the inner working of our brain, like the hamster wheel inside your brain and the inner working of your heart, is really like, oh, the traffic's horrible. I've got, I hate my job. Like, this person's driving me crazy. Like, and all of a sudden, like, we're beginning to get lost in the stress or confusion of the day. We're talking to ourselves. Okay? So, like, this happened in my own, like, this happened in my own life five or six days ago. So, like, we have, uh, we have an interesting thing where we have a newborn baby who's practically sleeping through the night and we have a two-year-old that's like waking up multiple times a night. Okay, so I've been like, okay, we've been, I've been on the dawn patrol with him and after a little while I started to think, like I just kind of let this thing get in my head. Oh, I'm working, like I'm working long days. I'm getting up at 5.15. Like I'm working, like I'm getting stressed. And before long it came out in resentment and ugliness. Why? Because I'm listening to myself. I'm listening to my, I deserve better than this, Right? We need to not stop listening to ourselves so much and preach to ourselves. Bless the Lord. Forget not all his benefits. Your time in the word is not simply just inspiration for the day. It is orientation to actual reality, to remind yourselves that God has not treated you the way that you deserve, that God is on his throne, that God is sovereign, that he ordains all things, that he directs our steps. We need to preach to ourselves and not listen to ourselves. And we need to do that together in community pulling ourselves away from the our tendency to complain or feel sorry for ourselves and back to the orientation of the word back to that it's there are certain things that everyone complains about okay we can think about it snow the weather traffic taxes okay everyone complains about that it is unseemly for people who have been born again to complain about that. We shouldn't be the people complaining, okay? We should be the people that always remember we have been treated better than we deserve by God. And the last thing is I, I do believe that if praise to God is underneath the foundation of the community that God has called together, there is always life to the mission of that community because the overflowing praise to God means there's always more love for neighbor. There's always more love. There's always someone else that can be pulled into that fold because we are people that don't just think 
about our own resources and our own comfort, but we're people that are constantly praising, blessing, thanking God. There's always an overflowing kindness for neighbor in that. We're people with another hope. We've been satisfied with good, and we don't forget God's benefits. So when we sing, sing wholeheartedly to God. When we talk amongst ourselves, or when, we, when you listen to yourself, even in the car or on your way to work or in the shower, ask yourself, am I listening to myself, or am I preaching to myself? And the question together is, are we sharing together that hope so that we have an overflowing praise to God that always can welcome someone else in? The benefits of God, the redemption of God, is beyond what we can even conceive of. We can't forget it. We can't forget it. But we rejoice that we've been redeemed from the pit and satisfied with what's good.